Hello, Degrassi fans, and welcome to the Degrassi Kid podcast, where each week we break down the history and impact of our favorite teen TV show. I'm Jocelyn, and this week I have a question for you. When's the first time you heard about what it means to be non-binary? Today, we live in a world where asking someone their pronouns is just a regular part of conversation, where terms like being cisgender or genderqueer are being talked about in mainstream media. It's hard to imagine, but as early as five or six years ago, these conversations just weren't happening. For me, I first heard about what it means to be non-binary from an episode in Degrassi Next Class, when 17-year-old Yale Baron came out like this. I feel in between. I don't feel like a girl or what everyone thinks is a girl. I don't like makeup or stuff like you do. I really, really hate my boobs. But I don't feel like a boy either. Degrassi has always been the first to pioneer conversations around sexuality and gender identity from a teenage perspective. In 1987, the Degrassi kids started a rumor that their favorite teacher was a lesbian, ultimately learning the lesson that it's okay to be gay. In 2004, Degrassi was boycotted when they depicted their first homosexual kiss between Dylan and Marco. And in 2010, Degrassi broke barriers all over again when they introduced the very first trans character in a scripted series, telling stories about Adam Torres as he explores high school as a trans student. So in 2017, it was no surprise that Degrassi was going to do it all over again when they introduced their first non-binary character named Yale. Yale showed us what it means to be gender fluid, what it looks like to bind your chest, and how to handle relationships when your boyfriend identifies as straight, but you're not a boy or a girl. The downside to this storyline is that Degrassi Next Class was cancelled at the end of the season, meaning we never got to see Yale as non-binary for more than a few episodes leaving all of us to wonder what would have happened if Yale spent their senior year as the first openly genderqueer student at Degrassi. Well, let's find out. Today, we're sitting down with Jamie Bloch, the actress who played Yale on Degrassi. What does she think would have happened to her character? How does she reflect on playing such a monumental role? And what was it like after Degrassi when she produced her own movie with her on-screen boyfriend, Spencer McPherson? Today on the Degrassi Kid Podcast, we're sitting down with Jamie to talk all things Degrassi. Welcome to the Degrassi Kid Podcast. I'm so excited to chat with you. Hello, hello. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I've been really looking forward to this interview because, as we all know, Degrassi is the show that helped me come out of the closet. Yeah. yeah, and I have just a strong sense of appreciation for any queer or non-binary or trans character on Degrassi, and I'm so excited to talk with you. But I have to ask first, were you a fan of Degrassi before you got on the show? Yes. So funny story. Um, First time I ever auditioned for Degrassi, I was in the eighth grade. So I was so little. I was like 12 or well, maybe a bit older, maybe 13. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting the audition and being so excited because Degrassi was like the end all and be all for Toronto kid actors growing up. It's like, if you made it on Degrassi, you made it. So yep. I remember I was like, oh my God, I'm finally at the age I can audition for Degrassi. So I got this audition. It was like a day player role. So it was only maybe one or two episodes. And I was like, okay, well now I have to watch a show because before I was, I think I was a little bit young to be watching. So mm-hmm. when the audition came through, I was like, let me see what this is all about. And and I ended <laughs> up, I think it was, 
it was obviously next generation and I can't remember what season it was but I ended up watching it for the audition and I I never stopped like I just kept watching it so it was so fun for me when um I actually got the role because I'd actually been watching the show for several seasons and kind of knew all the characters and knew what was going on that I auditioned twice before I had my audition for next class and um, Mm -hmm. it was just really cool to kind of almost go to high school starting to watch Degrassi and then end up getting on the show while I was in high school. It was like a very full circle moment. So yes, I was definitely a fan of the show. Well, that's actually perfect because our first fan question comes from Glenn on Patreon who wanted to know about your audition. So that's amazing. So how did you feel when you got it? Were you like freaking out? Yeah. And so when my moment finally came, I was like, I'm ready for this. I know what's going on. I'm excited. I can't wait to have my own character. And so I would say it was definitely one of those moments that was like oh I can't believe we're doing this (laughs) I love that do you have a character or a storyline that stood out to you as being your favorite oh that's such a tough question they're all amazing yeah they were all great I remember so another funny story my older brother from winging it uh Dylan Everett and Demetrius Joyet who's also on winging it Mm -hmm. I remember when they got on the show I was so excited for them and um I always were was like very keen on watching their storylines because I knew them and they were kind of like big brothers to me when, when I was on winging it so Dylan's story was my favorite on obviously it ended not so great so that was yes. really sad but I loved watching them because it felt like watching them you know move forward from winging it in a sense and then I got to have my time so that was really special so those always stood out for me just because I knew them well at the time and, and I was just so excited mm-hmm. for them so that was really fun That is so sweet. Oh, my gosh. You know, such a sad story with Cam, but honestly, such a testament to Dylan's acting. I mean, Cam was only in Degrassi for like 20 episodes. And look at the impact that he made in that short period of time. A hundred percent. Did you know that every single month I mail out packages to Degrassi fans? Yeah, you did. Last month, we gave out ID tags of your favorite characters like Eli, Fiona, Claire, and Adam. And this month, I thought, hey, why don't I get you guys some Degrassi lanyards to put them on? Replica Pop Culture is helping me give out Degrassi lanyards to all subscribers of the Degrassi Kid Mailout tier on Patreon. And since we have a special guest this week from Degrassi Next Class, they decided to launch a brand new set of ID tags with your fan favorite characters like Maya, Miles, Lola, and Yale. You can use code DegrassiKid to get 20% off your purchase, linked in the description. And a special shout out goes to Evie Treasures Etsy Shop, who is giving you Degrassi themed buttons and a 20% off discount. If you're a fan of Romeo and Jules, then you'll love what they've just uploaded. Thanks to Ruby, Josie Vince, Julianne, Trevor J, Vince, and Marisa for being brand new subscribers on patreon.com slash DegrassiKid. Your support means the world to me. But for now, let's check back in with Degrassi's Jamie Blah. So, Jamie, before the break, we were talking about how Dallas and Cam are your two favorite Degrassi characters because you previously worked with them on another show called Wingin' It. Now, I know you're a little bit younger than them, but did you ever get to, you know, reunite and talk about your guys' time on Degrassi? You know what? Not really, funnily enough. As much as Toronto is like such a small place, I, I, we just never managed to cross paths. I think I saw Dylan once at my acting studio, like really in passing. And we were both like, oh my God, hello. Like it's been <laughs> so long, but we never really got to reconnect after sadly. I would love to see them mm-hmm. again. I would love to see what they're up to. I think I follow both of them on social media, but um, it's been so many years since winging it. They knew me when I was like eight or nine years old and now I'm like a whole person by myself. <laughs> 
have. So it'd be really fun to kind of catch up at the stages of life we're at now. But you would think that, you know, both of us, all three of us, should I say, being on the franchise, we would have had a chance to run in. But I think because Next Class was a different version of the franchise, it just never really gave us the opportunity. Well, if you ever run into them, you get to say, guys, I did it too. Yeah, I'm like, I'm part of the club now, guys. Come on. Now, fans will notice a lot of crossover between shows like Winging It in Degrassi or Life with Derek in Degrassi. And Jamie, I got to know, how much is Degrassi the goal when it comes to being an actor in Canada? I mean, you know, in my generation, and it's funny to say that because, you know, I'm literally still a child. But, um, (laughs) no, unfortunately, because the show's not running anymore, this generation of actors won't really have that experience. But in my kind of in my kind of cohort growing up as a child actor in Toronto, it was it was the end all and be all because you knew that if you got on that show, like that was the teen show coming out of Canada that had an international fan base and Mm. you knew you were guaranteed to be a part of this franchise that was such a historical institution not just in Canada but internationally and so that was such a special thing for anybody who got on the show and looking back you know I remember being devastated when my two first two auditions didn't work out and I'm so glad they didn't because they were for small reoccurring roles sorry not even reoccurring roles like day player roles and the rule on Degrassi is if you're on it once you can't be on it again so If I had gotten those roles, I never would have ended up on Next Class for as long as I did. So kind of just goes to show what's meant for you will find you. And growing up, I definitely always had my sights set on like one day that's going to be me. And look at what happened. (laughs) And now you're here and you're forever known as Yale. Yeah, exactly. And one thing I learned about you is that before film and television even became an idea, you actually started acting in theater productions at only six years old. Yeah, I was a little baby. (laughs) What was it that made you so excited about acting at such a young age? Good question. Um, Honestly, I was such a shy child, believe it or not. Like my mom always talks about how in preschool when we had like our Hanukkah end of year concerts, holiday concerts, I would like cry behind her leg and not want to go on stage. And I just something switched in the first grade. I don't know. I remember there was this after school program that ran twice a year that would do plays. And I literally still remember the moment of me this is how crazy this is sitting on the carpet as a six-year-old and hearing the announcement play and hearing somebody come on and say act one productions is you know coming to Thornhill Woods Public School that's where I went to grade one and two and um I was like I have to do this I was like this is this is what I have to do at six years old somehow I just had this gut thing I think that was the first time I listened to my instincts and I came home and I said to my parents I want to be in the play and they were like do you even know what that means like you're gonna have to go (laughs) off stage And I was like, no, I want to do it. And I did The Wizard of Oz for the first time. And it just, something about it just hooked me in forever. And I came out of my shell and I just, I did the one after the other, after the other, I kept signing up. And um, I was just, that was it for me. The acting bug had sunk deep, deep inside and I haven't been able to shake it since. (laughs) And it shows, if you go take a look at Jamie's IMDb page, (laughs) there's like 20 credits there before you even turn like 20 years old. Okay, so you auditioned for Degrassi a couple times and you don't get it, but that's okay because eventually you get cast as Gael. Do you have any standout memories from your next class audition? A hundred percent. So I was actually shooting a different film at the time and I was traveling between here and Montreal and New York while I was filming. And I remember sitting in the airport in Montreal and the audition came through Mm -hmm. and I was getting ready to fly home and I was with my dad and I just looked at him and I was like, this is my role. Like, 
I'm, I'm doing this. Like there's just, I have zero doubts that I'm going to get this role. And I love that. Sounds crazy. Cause you're like, okay, humble yourself a little bit, but there was just, was <laughs> you've less, been rejected twice. <laughs> yeah. It was less of like me being like, no, I'm the best. I'm, I'm just, I know I'm going to get it. And more of just this feeling of like, this is my time. Finally, the funniest thing happened. I actually showed up for my first audition a week early because they, oh. <laughs> they usually, when you get an audition, it's for like the next, you know, couple days, the, the, mm. the current week you're in, it's very rare that they send auditions, you know, a week or two in advance. And wow. so I just had looked at the, like the day and not the date. So I was like, Oh, Monday. Okay. It's, it's this coming Monday, but it ended up being the Monday after. So I remember showing up at the studio, not the Degrassi studio yet, the initial casting studio hmm. and I'm surrounded by all these little kids. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I know I look young, but there, there's no way these kids are here for the same thing. And I saw a sign on the door that said odd squad auditions, which is a kid's show. That's also out of Canada. Oh gosh, but like, not Degrassi. <laughs> <laughs> no, not just. And I was like, okay, we we just are early. Like, it's fine. And I'm sitting there and I'm sitting there. And then I eventually go to like the casting assistant sitting at the desk. And I'm like, hi, like, I'm here for Degrassi. And they were like, Degrassi. And I was like, yeah, Degrassi. And they were, she was like, oh, that audition is next week. And I was like, oh my God, I'm not here next week. I'm shooting a different project, like out of town next week. Luckily, like I knew the casting director and she was like, it's fine. Just bring her in. Don't worry. And so I did my audition. Oh my God. And then I remember I was back in Montreal shooting this other project. I was with a co-star at her house. She was a local to Montreal and we were having dinner. And I got the, the email from my agent that I was getting a call back and keep in mind, this was not for Yael yet. This was for a different role. Mm -hmm. This is for a role they had called Darby or something like that. And, um, so I was, it was for a completely different role, but they wanted to see me for a callback for this Darby role. And this time it was at the studio. So I was like, obviously freaking out and I was so nervous, oh but I remember going in, going into the studio and I was where I had like these little glasses on. I was, I was looking all, all ready for the role. And I just had this feeling of calm which like never happens. Like I had prepared so intensely for this audition. I had done so many sessions with my acting coach. I like practiced so hard wow. and I just got there. All these people who look so nervous, like obviously I was nervous, but I was like, I am meant to be here. Like this is, I'm fine. I'm good. And I did the audition. It went super well. And then literally days later, I'm leaving school. I remember standing in the hallway at my high school and my mom calls me or I got an email or something. And they were like, they want you back at the studio for a different role. Um, it's going to be a chemistry read. So just prepare these new sides, whatever, which is like the script and mm -hmm. um, we'll see you then. And so I went to this third round of auditions and I ended up doing a uh, chemistry with Spencer McPherson. Mm -hmm. And this was for the role of Yale. So they had decided, okay, we're not casting Darby anymore. We're casting for, for Yale. And sorry, Darby was what they were calling Yael. The first character's name was Maud. Now I remember. Okay, okay. You audition for Maud, and then you get a callback for Darby. And Darby is the same character as Yael, just with a different name. Yeah. So then, what happened to Maud? They turned that character into who I believe is Rasha now. That makes sense because Maud's character, you said before, had a clause that she had to be able to have short hair, which doesn't impact Yael, but does impact Rasha. Yeah. And I had short hair at the time because of this other project I was working on because I'd cut all my hair off for this other project. Yeah. So that's how it was kind of like meant to be in a sense. But anyway, so this Darby role came along, which ended up turning into Yale. Mm. Um, and so I went for this third audition and it just went super well. And uh, my agent called me, I think, I don't remember the timeline, but a few days later, maybe a week or two later, and she was like, the role is yours. You're just waiting on network approval. 
but you're in. And I was like, oh my my God. God. It's so impressive that so many things went wrong for your audition and you were still like, no, like I'm going to nail it. Oh my God. And the first audition I dropped my, like when I was early, I dropped my phone in the toilet at my acting coach's (laughs) studio and my phone was like not working properly. And I was downtown by myself. And I was the youngest time. I was like 15. And my mom was like, where are you? Like what's going on? And I was like having to figure out how to navigate my way to the studio. And my phone like had been in the toilet and I was just like such a disaster but we made it work you still crushed it (laughs) oh my god I feel like by that point I'd be like okay the universe does not want this to happen but you were like no no it's it's happening no I was so I was so focused and so like no this is this is happening for me that nothing could have gotten in the way and clearly nothing did (laughs) (laughs) now you mentioned that in your audition you did a chemistry read with Spencer who plays Hunter on Degrassi and clearly it went well because a few episodes later you guys are locking lips in the gymnasium and it's my understanding that was your first tv kiss how did it feel to have that moment with spencer Um, that was so stressful (laughs) not in a bad way not a bad way like i was so little i was 15 Mm -hmm. and the way that degrassi worked it's very different than regular film sets that you know you're working 12 14 16 hour days degrassi had like Mm -hmm. a hard out time at 7 p.m which is very oh i love that yeah it's not it's not standard but we had a hard out time at 7 p.m and what that meant was whoever had the last scene of the day it was always a little bit of a rush to get it Mm. you know and um this scene, this oh massive bus crash scene with the kiss, happened to be the last scene of the day. So I was on set all day, like <laughs> so nervous because I had to do this kiss scene and it was in front of all these people because it was like just filled with extras and other cast members. And we had yeah. no joke, I think two or three takes to get it right. And that was it. So it was, oh I didn't even have, like, I was just so stressed about getting it right for the timing like I couldn't even think about it and it was just it was a blur I don't remember most of it but I was so (laughs) glad it was a Spencer he was always such a joy to work with and so kind and made me feel so welcome and such a such a wonderful friend to me on set so it's such a happy memory that I think back on even though it was stressful because I know some people have had worse onset kiss experience Mm -hmm. and I'm glad (laughs) I'm glad my first one uh was that I'll just say it like that I love that. I mean, and how iconic to have your first TV kiss on Degrassi. I mean, that's the Canadian dream. I know. I know, right? (laughs) Now, your chemistry read with Spencer was at the set of Degrassi, and we learned that you were a fan of the show. Georgia wants to know, how did it feel when you got that call back and you got to visit the real set of Degrassi for the first time? What were you feeling? Yes. Good question, Georgia. I just remember walking in and being like, holy crap, this is the real deal. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, you've been to the studio and Mm -hmm. when you walk in, there's just awards and photos and memorabilia everywhere. And I just remember thinking, and you can see the the school also, even though it's on the back lot, you can see it when you drive in. And I just remember thinking, oh my God, like I can't believe I'm here. And I was so overwhelmed in a good way because I could feel the importance and the history of being in that space and how lucky I was to even be considered to be on the show. And so Mm -hmm. I just, I remember feeling just this like overwhelming sense of like, awe. If that makes sense. Yeah. A hundred percent. Now I loved visiting the studio because like they give you a tour of the set, but you honestly don't need one because when you go around, like all these memories come flooding back. You're like, oh, this is where this happened. This is where that happened. And I can only imagine what that feeling is like as an actor when you visit for the first time and you're like, I get to be the one to make these moments happen. 
Yeah, it was nuts. It was nuts. (laughs) So your audition with Spencer goes really, really well. You get cast as Darby and then they change your name to Yale. Why does that name hold such a personal connection to you? So, um, that's actually my real Hebrew name. So Yael is my, is my, just the Hebrew version of what my parents chose for me. Um, Mm -hmm. and I remember, so how it works with Degrassi is they audition using just generic names. And then depending on who gets cast, they change it according to what they feel like fits your character and your personality. So, um, they decided to change mine to Yael. I guess they wanted the first Jewish character or like mm-hmm. in that season. And I remember getting the email of like, okay, this is the character's name now. And I was like, oh my God, that that's literally so weird. Like they didn't know and they didn't consult me before. It just happened to work out like that. So when you want to talk about, you know, things aligning, that's just another, another, uh, I guess, sign from the universe that that was what was meant for me because it was just strange coincidence. Cause it's not a very common name. Most people don't know how to say it. Yep. And the fact that that's the one that they chose. I was like, you know what? I'm clearly meant to be here. <laughs> oh my god, 100%. I would take that as such a confirmation from the universe. Like this is this is meant to be. This is my character. I love that. Yeah. And we actually had a question come in from Rebecca, who's a co-host of the Trail Mix podcast. She's a Jewish Degrassi fan, oh. and she wants to know, were you ever hoping that Yale's Jewish culture and home life may be reflected on the show? Yes, so badly. Um, it was actually one of the big things I was hoping we would touch on if we had continued, um, you know, past season three and four. I was hoping in five and six that we would get to have some sort of Jewish identity storyline. It was really, really special for me to be playing a Jewish character um, on a show as big as Degrassi and have that, you mm-hmm. know, importance of representing my entire religion in a sense and so I I was really really hoping we would get to delve into it I'm sad that we didn't um but yeah it was definitely I was so excited at the possibility of what we could do with Yael and her Jewish identity so it's sad it didn't come to fruition but at least Mm -hmm. they still exist out there as a Jewish character you know (laughs) yeah yeah and that's what I hope that if we get a reboot there's more diversity because like we've told the stories about white kids and their Christian holidays right (laughs) like but mitzvah in there or something. I would love that. <laughs> now, when it comes to Yale's introduction to the story, the whole idea is that they're a girl who lives in a boy's world. They don't like feminine things like makeup and dresses, and they're on the gaming team, and they only hang out with boys. Was that meant to be an indication that Yale didn't subscribe to gender norms and would later come out as non-binary? Or did you have any idea that they would come out at all? I had no idea that that was planned for the character. I was only told of Yael's storyline progression and like the arc that they were going to have when we got to season three. So the first year, we had no idea what they had planned to do with Yael's character. And I think this is a misconception a lot of people have that like actors know everything. We are the last to know anything. Yeah. Okay. There is a whole writer's room of people, a whole team of producers, a whole team of other crew members involved that are giving the okay for storylines to get written before Mm -hmm. the actors have any idea of what's coming. And 99% of the time we find out what's happening with the characters when we sit down at a table read and get the next set of scripts for the next block of shooting. This was different because the character arc was going to be so different. They called me in privately to tell me what was going to be going on because it also required a lot of research on my behalf. So they wanted to just make sure I was prepared and wasn't like blindsided when we got to a read through. But um, 
I had no idea initially. And and I think what people have to remember is a lot of the times the writers don't know initially when they're starting new characters what the progression is going to be. They start yep. with like a foundation and a basis for a character, but they don't always necessarily know what their entire story is going to look like start to finish. Yep. And that's one of the wonderful things about being on a multi-season show is that discovery and that exploration of these characters once we come to get to know them a little bit better. So I think once, you know, all of the next class, the new characters in next class were established in season one and two, the writers mm-hmm. were then able to go away and, you know, look at that as a whole and say, okay, where do we want to take them? And uh, that's that's the route they decided for Yael, which yeah. was such a wonderful opportunity and, and such a gift that they, you know, bestowed upon me to to carry that torch forward with the character. Mm-hmm. But it was it was never an inkling in my mind. And you have to remember this was 2015, 2014. Discussions of gender binary and anything like that was not in our vernacular. It was not front and center. Mm. We, LGBTQ was obviously a massive part of Degrassi, but we weren't delving into the intricacies of being gender queer in a sense yeah even in in my regular life that wasn't something we were hearing much about at the time mm-hmm. so it was such an eye-opening experience for me to be like wow this is a whole world I just didn't know was out there and I was so touched that they had chosen me you know to be the one to put it on tv so that was it was really awesome I remember being super excited and nervous when I found out because I was like wow this is a big responsibility of a world I have no idea about yeah but I look back really fondly at what they were able to do with the character and how they were able to represent a whole generation of kids who may not have ever thought they would have seen themselves on tv before that you know? Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Because, you know, when Yale's storyline came out, I was actively a part of the LGBTQ community, right? Yeah. But I still didn't even know what it meant to be non-binary or gender fluid. And I felt like Degrassi made it really accessible in understanding the, yeah. like, not only the language, but the feelings around being non-binary. It made it something, like, really easy to relate to and understand. Yeah. Exactly. And and one thing I was thinking about during your answer is we recently had Annie Clark as a guest on our podcast, and she's the one who taught us that you don't learn anything about your character until you're in the read through and going through the script. Yeah. And she told us she was like, you only really get to find out what happens to your character in advance if something major happens to you. Right. But she told us that she thought for some reason that that only happened if your character was going to die. No. (laughs) So so she's sitting in one of these read throughs. They're all ready and about to start. And then Linda goes oh wait and stops the meeting and says Annie can I talk to you for a second and Annie's like freaking out so she gets up and she like leaves the room and she's like oh my god like is this over for me and Linda's like hey um we forgot to mention that this episode Fiona actually comes out of the closet like we just want to make sure you're comfortable with that yeah and Annie's like yes of course I am like I two minutes ago I thought you were gonna kill me like this is fine don't kill me I'm fine but you know what I remember the feeling all too well when they pulled me aside and I was like oh my god did I do something wrong what's happening I don't know what's going on you know I was so nervous <laughs> you're like I've only been here for two seasons give me a chance <laughs> yeah I was so nervous and it ended up working out for the best but it yeah I know all too well what she's talking about but that's so funny oh my god <laughs> I love it so we actually had a fan question come in from Riley who's a non-binary Degrassi fan yay hi Riley yeah and they wrote in to say that they saw themselves in Yale they said Yale was the first time I saw a non-binary character on television I found it relatable that Yale didn't know exactly what was different about them just that something was. And yeah, the question they left for you was, what kind of research did you put in when you realized you're going to play a non-binary character on Degrassi? Yeah, well, first I'll say, Riley, thank you for sharing your story. What a beautiful, you know, 
touching thing to hear. Um, it really makes my my heart warm when I hear that Yale's touched people in their real lives. I would say, you know, most of it was on the internet. I just, I tried as best as I could to find real stories of real teens going through, mm-hmm. you know, similar questions or who had come out on the other side and, and come out as non-binary. And at the core of it, what those emotions were that they, and that emotional journey that they had gone on to mm-hmm. to eventually reach, reach that conclusion and discover that they were non-binary. Because for me, the biggest responsibility I felt I had was to, to portray the emotional journey in the most realistic way and to portray all the nuances of, yeah, it's not as simple as waking up one morning and deciding, oh, I actually identify as non-binary, mm. you know, all of the, the difficulties and the struggles and the questions of also sexuality and terms. And I wanted to also make sure that I was being respectful of the proper terms to be using and, you know, being respectful of a community that quite frankly, I was, I wasn't a part of, and I'm not a part of. And I, you know, look back on that as I'm grateful to have Mm -hmm. shepherded that role, but it wouldn't be a role that I would feel comfortable playing now because I am not part of that community, but I, I'm very, you know, at the time I still wanted to to do it justice and make sure that I Mm -hmm. knew as much as I possibly could, if I was going to be representing them. So I did a lot of research to find as many blog posts and social social media posts and interviews and YouTube videos of teens who had had a similar story so that I could draw on their experiences and essentially communicate at the heart of it what's relatable to everybody. And that's the emotion behind it. Everybody knows what it feels like to be confused or questioning or, you know, um, angry or upset. And I just wanted to to bring out the humanity of the situation um, the most. So that's kind of how I prepared as much as possible. And the the team at Degrassi was really helpful. If I had any questions, I could speak to, you know, they. I think if I remember correctly, they set up conversations with um, real teens who, who oh were, yeah, who were non-binary, if I remember correctly, so that I could ask specific questions and, you know, get proper um, verified answers from the right source. So I, I was really wow. well supported in the research that I was doing, but it was tough. I mean, I was 15, 16 years old, taking on this massive, you know, task ahead of me. And I just wanted to make sure that I was doing it justice. So yeah. Oh my gosh. And not to bring up Annie Clark again, but <laughs> Annie Clark, when she was on her podcast, one of the questions that was submitted to her was, would you ever play a lesbian character again? And her answer was kind of like, would I be comfortable? Yes. Should I be the person to do it? No. And it's yeah. really comforting to hear from actors like you and Annie who who really like pioneered these queer characters on Degrassi because we need to remember like as much as you know I'm really gay now it's like a whole part (laughs) of my identity but back in the day you know Fiona was the one who taught me what being a lesbian even was so it's really incredible to hear from you guys now and your respective your perspective and how you reflect on it because it's just so good to hear that you you know you're thankful for getting that opportunity but recognize now that that path needs to be cleared for somebody else yeah and going forward you shouldn't be the one who plays those roles yeah no not at this day and age you know we're we're we've progressed enough and there's enough talent out there that you know people who actually identify as non-binary should be telling their own stories and um so as I like I said as grateful as I am for the role I don't necessarily know if I would be okay with with uh taking taking that on nowadays but you live and you learn and you grow up and the and society learns and we mature and we can look back fondly but also acknowledge that hey it's not the same path forward for us (laughs) 
And uh, shout out to James from the Degrassi Generations Facebook group. He's the one who left a question asking uh, how you reflect on playing one of the first non-binary characters. So that's perfect. And I, I think, too, that sometimes it's hard to forget that Degrassi truly was the show that was pioneering these conversations because so many people are going back and watching it now or rewatching it again. Yeah. So it seems like Yale, you know, if you watch Degrassi's class on Netflix, it seems like this episode was only shot like a year or two ago. But no, it's 2015, like 2016 is when they were telling these stories. So I think it gets lost that these stories were being pioneered by Degrassi. And maybe now Yale's story might even seem a little little more outdated in terms of some of the language and ideas that they're expressing them and how they're expressing them but ultimately like that's the first conversation that's an amazing first conversation to have on tv exactly and I'll clarify why I'm all of a sudden bringing up Annie Clark so much, besides the fact that I'm obsessed with her. Um, before this Zoom call, Jamie and I were talking about how she ran into Annie this past weekend. Yeah. Can you, can you tell everybody what it was like to to see Annie Clark? It was so lovely. We've met a few times before, mm-hmm. but we've never had the chance to really have a conversation. And uh, we, we bumped into mm-hmm. each other at like a PR event and she was just so warm and, and welcoming. And it was really nice to just have, you know, one-on-one time with her in a setting that wasn't Degrassi related I I just think she's really wonderful and really kind and and sweet and um I think we're definitely gonna get lunch or something after bumping into each other because we oh my god I love that off. and yeah she was just wonderful it was, it's just uh, another perk of being a part of such a great institution such as Degrassi is most uh, all the people involved are just wonderful so you know that you're you're in good hands when you're meeting somebody who's who's been on the show too <laughs> I love that I don't know if I've gotten it across that I'm obsessed with Annie Clark but I am yeah um she's actually the one who told me to start this podcast and when she did she she made a lifelong commitment that she will be on the podcast whenever I want her to. Oh, that's so sweet. So we are big fans, Annie Clark, on the Degrassi podcast. That's so nice. <laughs> now, speaking of Degrassi super fans, um, what about you? Do you still get recognized from fans or, or do you hear anything about uh, how Yale impacted them? Yeah, I, I used to when the show was out premiering and stuff, I would get a whole bunch of messages online and I've had some people come up to me in person and it's just always so touching when people are so willing to be open and share their stories and talk about how the show and Yell affected their own personal journeys and always means so much to me because it's really scary putting your work out there and not knowing if people are going to love it or hate it or if they're even care enough to watch and when you sometimes see the impact that it can have in corners of the world that you never thought it would ever reach I remember I was traveling with my friends and I was in Croatia of all places like at this random oh my god random hotel getting breakfast like the randomest place in the world and somebody came up to me and was like are you from Degrassi and I was like what the hell <laughs> Like, how do you know what this is? Yeah, and she, like, wasn't even from Croatia. She was from a completely different country, too, and it was just, what a, and, you know, people usually don't recognize me in person, especially now, because it's been so many years, but at the time, because of my hair, mm-hmm. um, you know, people aren't used to seeing me out of costume, so the fact that she was just able to, to spot me and recognize me, it was one of those moments that was like, wow, people watch this, it, like, all over, and uh, the impact that this show has doesn't stop in Toronto. Like, it just... Yeah. It, reaches every corner of the globe and it's just always such a such a crazy reminder to me of like our work has meaning and purpose and it affects real lives and that that makes it worthwhile you know oh that answer is so sweet now our next fan question comes from Amari who wants to ask this question about a specific moment in Yale's storyline you know Yale bravely starts to understand who they are and come out of the closet and one of the people they come out to is their boyfriend Hunter who doesn't react all that well he gets a little defensive and he starts to think well if you're not a boy or a girl what does that make me 
So Amarie wants to know, what did you think about the way Hunter reacted to Yale's coming out? Ooh, Amarie asking tough questions. <laughs> um, I think... Obviously, it was not a desired response that Hunter gave Yael. And I think a lot of people were disappointed in his character. Mm -hmm. It doesn't excuse his actions. But I also think it's important to remember that Mm -hmm. they're telling stories about real teenagers in stages of their lives where they might Mm -hmm. not have the maturity and the understanding to emotionally respond to big life events in an appropriate way. So while I don't think that justifies ever shaming somebody for how they truly feel and what their identity is. I also think Mm -hmm. Hunter, you know, was a regular 15 year old boy Mm -hmm. and probably didn't have the emotional maturity to grasp what was going on. And unfortunately that's just the facts Mm -hmm. of life for a lot of people out there. And and it's, I think a very realistic thing to have happen. That being said, it was still very disappointing to read because I remember being like, Hunter, no, come on. (laughs) Just love you. Who they are. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I would have been really interested to know um, how that progressed in season five and six, mm-hmm. um, where that would have gone, how their relationship would have taken place. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when you're watching a show about teenagers, that's an accurate reflection of what teenagers are actually like. You have to expect emotionally appropriate reactions for that age group. That being said, you know, I think we've come a long way since then. Mm-hmm. And I think um, you know, this generation of teenagers is really well educated and have been exposed to a wide variety of identities from an early age as they should be. And so mm-hmm. I would hope that this generation is a lot more open and accepting than, you know, we were maybe several mm-hmm. years ago. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, that's kind of the same answer I give whenever people ask me who my least favorite character on Degrassi is, because I don't have one. I I think even if you're a character who, you know, brings a gun to school or shoves a gay person into their locker, um, you are there to drive the story forward and show the realities of life. So I, I really don't have a least favorite character. And and I think that Degrassi is so good at making their characters nuanced where exactly. you'll have these really good exactly. people that you care about who do bad things or have bad opinions. And that's what Degrassi's there for, to show you real people that uh, might think differently than you. Yeah. So, so the lesson becomes, like, how do you handle that, right? Exactly. And so sadly, we actually don't get to find out what happens to Hunter and Yale because Degrassi Next Class gets canceled. There was never an official announcement actually made to the fans, but I'm so curious from your perspective, when was the moment you realized, like, okay, Degrassi's officially over? Well, I will say there was never an official announcement to the cast either. (laughs) That's brutal. To pull back the veil a little bit, um, the way that it works just legally with this kind of stuff is, Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you're signed to a contract for a show, there's a specific date that the production or or the network or, you know, has to let you know Mm -hmm. um, about a renewal by. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, um, you know, there's money that gets involved and, and, you know, a whole bunch of legal stuff. But there's always a, a date that's outlined in a contract to say, by this date, we need to know what's going on. And I remember that date passing and me calling my agent and being like, what's going on? And her being like, I don't know. I haven't heard anything. And the more time that passed, the more we kind of reconciled with the fact that like, yeah, this is not, this is not looking good. We're not going forward. And then there was an email that was sent out, if I remember correctly, like, you know, um, from the team, just kind of thanking us for all of our hard work, but there was never an official announcement for us either. It was kind of just like a 
all right, I guess it is what it is. Oh my gosh. I can only imagine what that feels like because I I recently watched the behind the scenes videos where they're filming about the last day of the previous graduates. And the whole vibe is like, this is really sad, but like, we're going to see you guys again next year for the next round of graduates. Yeah, we're coming back. And it's so sad because you're not coming back. You're not coming back and nobody knows it. So I have to ask, what was it like for you and your generation not to get that closure? I mean, the show at that point had been on for 17 years and you're the first class not to get it that I think was the hardest part for all of us who never got to graduate was like we were the only generation who didn't graduate you know didn't have their stories finished and that was really upsetting just from the perspective of like every other character before had some sort of closure in their Mm storyline so it was really sad for us because we had been really excited especially as new characters to see you know how we were going to evolve as we grew up and got older and um you know I had had this vision in my mind that like you know, I was supposed to finish based on my contract shooting the show when I was like going into university. And um, it would have been a really insane progression to see what that would have looked like, considering I started in the 10th grade to have finished all those years later. Like, I think that would have been what a chapter in my life, you know? Um, So I I always felt like it was cut a little bit short and I never really got um, the closure that I had hoped for. Um, And I know a lot of, you know, our cast members who didn't get to graduate feel the same, Mm -hmm. but I'm also still grateful that, hey, I had four solid seasons on that show and experiences that I would never trade for a million years. So silver linings, if I would do it all, all again, if I had to, but it's definitely bittersweet. Oh my God, I would feel exactly the same way. I mean, since the 1980s kids have been getting their Degrassi moment and you were just like one hair away from it all yeah (laughs) you know my Degrassi wish would be that I know it's still a few years away but because we didn't get that closure of your generation I would really love like a special where they do a 10-year reunion and we hear about what happened you guys and catch up to where you're at now I would be all in I would be all in (laughs) so did you have any insight into what was gonna happen to AL or even what you hoped would happen for them I had nothing and I don't think anybody really did. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, you know, very few uh, storylines were ever revealed before we got to know about them at the read-throughs. So mm-hmm. even if there had been discussions, and I'm sure there had been, um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely, they start talking about that stuff a, a long time in advance. Mm-hmm. Um, but any of the progressions and, and the arcs that they had thought out for seasons five and six um, were not revealed to us. So mm-hmm. I definitely had my hopes. I would have loved to have seen Yao come into their own and really discover their identity to the fullest and become comfortable in their skin and, you know, deal with the hunter situation and explore their Jewish identity. Like that was my, my big hope. And eventually, you know, when, when, that group of kids became like the seniors I would have loved to have seen them in more of like a a big sibling role or like mentorship role for new incoming students so that would have been really wonderful because I also would have been growing up at the same time with the character like I was going through high school I was only technically like a year and a bit older than Yael's character was supposed to be so I was very much in a similar stage of life and I think it would have been really special to kind of go through my high school years in conjunction with Yael so um I all that to be said I I don't know where they would have ended up but I, I would have loved to have her and maybe I'll message some of the writers and be like, hey. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they all still remember. It's also at the top of their minds. Yeah, I'm sure. 
But honestly, Yale's story was the one I was most excited for because I, I remember I remember the feeling of finishing season four and like waiting and waiting and waiting for season five and like coming up with like ideas with fans online of what we thought was going to happen. And then like two years go by, there's nothing. And I think Stefan Brogren was the one who first said something. He, he tweeted about Next Class and he said, uh, this was a show that ended way too soon. And that was our first even nod that the series had been officially canceled. So yeah, that was that's what it was like from a fan perspective. Yeah, we weren't really, we weren't in encouraged to speak out about it for a while um I think maybe because there was definitely stuff going on behind the scenes to see if they could try save it so I understand that um but yeah that's why I just kind of there was never a a a cemented like hey we're done it was just kind of like okay I guess enough time has passed to just kind of figure out it's not happening yeah (laughs) it's so hard to hear but it does make sense you know as much as we love Degrassi and as much as like if you put it back on the air people will watch it at the end of the day no matter how much we love Degrassi or Linda loves Degrassi or the fans do ultimately Degrassi is a business and we might not see that that way Linda might not even see it that way yeah but the networks who run ads and have to you know pay for the show um do see it that way so it's sad but I yeah I get it. Yeah. Hmm. Amber is actually going to help us segue into a happier topic. Her question is, what is your favorite project you've done outside of Degrassi? Ooh, Amber. I would definitely say one of my favorites was the project I was working on at the time that I booked Degrassi, The History of Love. It was a feature film that I shot, um, like I said earlier, in Montreal, New York. Mm -hmm. And I cut all my hair off for it. And it was like my first like big movie production that I worked on. Like it was like a, a legit movie. And um. I just have really fond memories of that time in my life and and feeling like I was, you know, taking steps forward in my career and really working on a script that that I loved and it was close to my heart because it had some ties to the Holocaust and, you know, um, it was a Jewish story. And even though that wasn't my specific storyline, I was just really proud of my involvement in it. Um, so that was definitely, I think, a highlight, uh, one of the highlights of my career so far. Oh, my God. So you get this incredible movie experience and then you immediately book a dream role on Degrassi. Yeah, I mean, booking Degrassi at the same time, I was definitely like a just one of those moments that was like pinch me like I can't believe this is happening so wow and to think it all started with the Wizard of Oz literally it all started <laughs> with that yellow brick road and look at look at me now <laughs> all yellow brick roads lead to Degrassi <laughs> exactly <laughs> Another project you did outside of Degrassi was your own film called Reflection. You wrote it, you produced it, uh, and you even cast Spencer McPherson or Hunter as your leading co-star. How did it come about that you were going to make this movie? So I started writing when I was in grade nine. So like I would say a year and a bit before I started Degrassi. And it was like an outlet for me. Um, I'd always loved writing, but I decided I had like a, a bit of a tough period, um, in that stage of my life with my career, which is funny to say, cause I was like 13, but I worked <laughs> a lot. I'd worked a lot as a kid. And then, you know, you hit certain stages in life where things just slow down based on the age that you're at. And I mm. hit one of those periods and I just had needed some sort of creative outlet. And, and it turned out that writing was that thing for me. And I fell deeply head over heels in love with it and it storytelling just became my way of you know understanding the world and understanding my feelings and what I was going through you know growing up and Mm -hmm. so I started writing what is now reflection as a feature film when I was in grade nine I just had this idea for a story and I stuck with it for a really long time like I would skip class like I'd skip math class and I would sit in the hallway with (laughs) 
my computer and I would just write scenes and scenes and who scenes. Who needs math? Who needs math? We don't need Yeah, math. I was like, screw that. I'm, I don't need math. I'm going to make and, a movie. I love that. Yeah. And uh, I was really grateful. I had a mentor who I had met who was a producer on a film I did when I was eight or something like that, like a feature, um, a horror movie, should I say? Yeah. And my mom had always kept in touch with him. And when I started writing, she was like, you know, you should reach out to him. He's a writer. Um, see if he can give you some advice, whatever. And he just took me under his wing. And when we got to the point where I had had a lot of good material, he said to me, okay, I'm going to give you the funds for the short film. I'm going to introduce you to a director. Let's get this made. And I was like, I was 15. Wow. And I was like, holy crap. Like, that is just so nice of you. And it was still to this day, one of the kindest things anybody has ever done for me. And, you know, the the time and money he invested in, in helping me make that happen, just because I was a girl who had an interest in writing, he just really wanted to, to get the ball rolling for me in that regard. And so it took I think the process start to finish was maybe a year and um, he introduced me to a wonderful director who made all my dreams come true. And we got this, we, we, we got it made. And um, at the time I was working on Degrassi and I remember seeing Spencer and thinking, okay, well, he's perfect for what I've been imagining for the past year and a half. Like he had the acting chops for it. He had the right look. We had the chemistry. I was like, you know what? Let me just ask him, see if he's interested. And he was. And so we shot it over the course of a weekend. And it was just such a crazy experience to say, I I wrote this and now it's coming out of my brain and it's in real life. And all these adults are working on it and taking it seriously when I'm literally like, guys, I have homework to do. (laughs) And it was just such a wonderful, wonderful experience that really affirmed for me when I was young that uh, being on the other side of the camera was going to be a big part of my career. So um, to this day, yeah, it's just such a fond memory for me because just the people who blindly believed in me and like just agreed to make this story that this 15 year old wrote, which is so insane and nuts. Um, And it was such a defining moment in my career. And I'm so glad that Degrassi also, you know, managed to expose me to people like Spencer because I think it just it kind of helped all the right pieces fall into place to make it come to life. Oh my God. I love how many things in your life where it's just like, yes, like this is supposed to happen for you. Yeah. And you know, so many things that did and it, and then there's so many things that didn't. (laughs) So it just makes those moments that much sweeter because there is so much struggle behind the scenes to even get to those places that when it does all fall into place, it's just like, oh my God, finally, this is what I've been for. I really resonate with that because that's exactly how I feel about this Mother of Degrassi opportunity that I've been given. Like Annie Clark and Linda Schuyler just believed in me and gave me this opportunity just on complete blind faith that I could do it. And and it's so crazy what kind of impact that can have on a person because then, like this is what makes Annie Clark one of my favorite people is she looks at me and thinks, oh, Jocelyn can do anything, even if I don't think that. And it's just like changed my outlook on life. I'm like, yeah, you know what? Maybe I actually can do that. <laughs> so Jamie, I have a few more Degrassi fan questions for you. The very next one comes from Evie, who wants to know what's the most valuable thing you learned from being on Degrassi? Ooh, thanks for the question, Evie. I learned more than I could ever articulate, but I would think the biggest thing would be the principles of storytelling that I saw in front of me to tell such nuanced stories with so many people involved, I think always mm-hmm. stood out to me. And also, um, you know, just from a perspective of what it means to work on a team and to work towards a shared goal and the importance of being kind to 
everybody you work with and how everybody has a role to play. Like they ran that mm-hmm. studio like a well-oiled machine and every single person who walked through that door was important to getting the job done. It didn't matter what they did. If they sat at the front desk, if they were the director, if they were making the food, if they were mopping the floors, if they were building the sets, every single person was important on that set equally. I love that. I think that really showed me like, you know, it's just everybody has a job to do and keep your head down, do good work, be kind to everybody else and work towards that common goal and magic can be made, you know, see, seeing the impact Degrassi had, I hope my work has that impact on somebody else one day. Oh, I love that. Uh, Now I have a two part question for you. Uh, Rachel wants to know who did you get along best with on set? And Hannah wants to know who do you still keep in touch with from Degrassi Next Class? Oh, Rachel, you want to know the drama, do you? Um, honestly, we got along with everybody. Everybody was wonderful. But you know, I uh, have my girl, Sarah, Sarah, and I are tight as can be. She's my best friend. She's, um, you know, we're, we're very close. We've had similar journeys as child actors. And, Mm -hmm. you know, she is just on another level now with all of the wonderful success that she's had. And yet she's still my, my, my wonderful writing partner and friend. And, and we just laugh so much together. And, um, we had a really special relationship from the start. And I'm just really grateful that we've been able to continue that all these years later. And, you know, we're now like almost 10 years we've known each other, which is crazy to say. Um, And it's just special to have somebody by your side who has shared such a crazy, unique experience and, you know, wants to do the same things and has the same interests. It's really wonderful. Oh, oh my gosh. I'm so happy you mentioned Sarah because this is a perfect segue into Linda Schuyler's book party where I met both you and Sarah. And the very first question I have to ask you is what kind of first impression did I make as a crazy fangirl? (laughs) Oh my God. No, you were awesome. You were so nice. It was no crazy fan impression. I was so refreshed to see you and happy that like you were so excited to see us. I felt so important. <laughs> I love that. No, you were wonderful. You were not like a crazy fangirl, trust me. Oh my God. Okay, thank God. You're, that night was so much fun. And you guys were like one of the first people I approached. So your energy like set the bar. I was like, you know what? I can go talk to everybody. <laughs> no, that's so nice. What a special memory. So were you excited to see everybody again? Like who did you get to catch up with? Uh, oh my God, everybody. I was excited to see everybody. There were some people I hadn't seen since the last day of filming in 2016. Wow. And you know, I'm a completely different person now. Like I said, I'm an, I'm an adult. And yeah, obviously I use that word, but I was such a, I was a kid when we finished and to see some of these, even like the crew members, um, you know, was just such a feeling of like, you know, we've come home and, and to our family again. And it was so nice to all be in the same room, you know, just to see cast members I hadn't seen in so long and remember why I love them so much outside of, you know, being on the show and reconnecting with Aaron and Spencer and Andre and Eric, who are always just a joy to to have fun with and hang out with. It was just such a blast of like nostalgia and gratitude and oh. also made me so happy that I got to see them at this stage in my life and that I still love them as much as I did when I was 16. Oh my gosh, that is so cute. Now, one of the names that you mentioned was Eric Osborne, who played Miles on Degrassi. And fun fact, you guys also did a horror film together. Yeah. Do you have any standout memories from uh, reuniting with Eric and filming the movie together? Eric is is the best I was so excited when I found out he was going to be on the movie with me we were shooting in Ottawa I didn't know anybody I was on my own I was a little bit overwhelmed it was the first movie I'd done where I was traveling by myself for it and staying alone whatever mm-hmm. um so when he was there I was like oh my god a familiar face and he's just always so kind and and wonderful and we would do really weird things like go and get 
oatmeal together for breakfast at like these random this random oatmeal spot in Ottawa and he just like went along with whatever I wanted to do and he drove me all the way from Ottawa home one weekend because we needed to go home for a long weekend and he just like told me hop in the car I'll take you it's no big deal and he was just such a such a comforting presence to have there and we always had such interesting conversations because he is not short of any interesting unique fact like if you want to know something obscure just go to Eric he will tell you about it (laughs) so it was it was wonderful to not only get to work alongside him because he's so stupidly talented also but have that friendship was was really special I love that. It sounds like he's got the role of older brother figured out. You know, he'll protect you, but he's also like really weird. Yeah, he does. He's the best. (laughs) All right, Jamie, those are all my questions for you. How do you feel about playing some Degrassi trivia with me? I'm really scared because I'm terrible at trivia games. So nobody make fun of me for my answer. (laughs) I'm going to put myself out there and be brave. Okay. Well, lucky enough, it's all about Yale. So I think you'll do great. Okay. Oh my God. If I don't get it right, this is going to be so embarrassing. (laughs) If you think you have whatever it takes to beat Jamie at some Degrassi trivia, then head on over to patreon.com slash Degrassi kid and subscribe at the ultimate Degrassi tier or higher. Once you're there, you'll find an exclusive video where I asked Jamie six questions about her character on Degrassi. And I won't spoil it for you how the game went, but let's just say Jamie could use your help remembering some of Yale's most iconic moments. <laughs> Thank you to everyone who supports the Patreon. But for now, let's say goodbye to our newest friend of the Degrassi kid podcast, Jamie Block. Jamie, thank you so much for coming on the Degrassi Kid Podcast. This was truly a dream come true. This was wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Brings back such wonderful memories. I have half memories. Half memories. Okay, <laughs> awesome. All right. You know what? I tried my best. Okay. <laughs> well, Jamie, the final question I have for you is what are you up to now and where can people find you on social media? Yeah, what am I up to now? I'm kind of, um, I'm one year post-grad, so I just got my degree last year in screenwriting and media production. So now oh I have my foot in a few different avenues. I'm writing, I'm pitching some original shows that I created. I'm hoping to kind of go that route a little bit. I'm also still doing my stuff on social media. You can find me on Instagram at Jamie Bloch, J-A-M-I-E-B-L-O-C-H, and on TikTok at Jamie.Bloch. There's a dot in there, so don't forget it. Um, and I'm also kind of uh, starting a little bit of a foray into public speaking um I'm thinking yeah it's something I'm really interested in doing so um I may or may not have some fun stuff coming up with that so stay tuned but would love for everybody to follow along um on Instagram on TikTok um and kind of see where things go for me oh my gosh I'm excited to follow along also for everyone listening Jamie also posts her scripts online as well so you can keep up with that but for now we're gonna say thank you to our Patreon subscribers and goodbye to Jamie Bye, Jamie. Thanks so much, Jocelyn, for your time. Bye. Thank you so much to everyone who left a question, all of our brand new signups, and a special shout out to Rebecca, Brittany, Emily, Gina, Jackie, Julia, Lauren, Max, Mark, Sarah J, Sawyer, my dear friend, Stevie Gerois, who I love dearly, Alyssa, Randy, Annie, Chantilly, Chrissy, Dave, Degrassi, CSI, Holly J Wonders, Julianne, Kat, Kylia, Najama, Owen, Rachel, Ruby, SB, Shane, Shelby, Sierra, Sunita, Susan, and Victoria. You guys have all made my dreams come true. But for now, let's listen in to one of Yale's big moments as they figure out who they really are. Thanks, guys. Okay, I think you should wear this with the white tee and the slouchy jeans. I've never seen somebody shop so fast in my entire life. I told you, I'm an expert at the lunchtime shopping spree. Don't second guess it. Do you like a dream? No, it's not that. What's Hunter gonna say? Honestly, I don't know. 
What if he hates it? I'm more worried about what you think. Oh my gosh, did I do it wrong? No. I'm so sorry. No, no. You did it exactly right.